0: Welcome to Sweet Talk. This broadcast is brought to you by the Continuing Education Workforce Training Division of Idaho State University's College of Technology this podcast is part of our continuing outreach efforts and the format is conversational we will be having conversations with businesses professionals entrepreneurs community agencies and in all cases difference makers now let's get started with sweet talk
1: Hello, um, my name is Raylan Price. I'm the Health Programs Coordinator here at SWEET, um, Continuing Education Workforce Training. And I have with me here a special guest. We have Dr. Curtis Sandy with us here in our podcast studio. Um, This is a 20-minute podcast, and so when our timer rings, we're done. So um, we'll just kind of start out by maybe telling us a little bit about what you do. You are a doctor, (laughs) but what is your role?
2: Well, currently, I, um, I'm a board-certified emergency medicine physician, so I'm the medical director of the emergency department at Portniff. Um I'm also board-certified in EMS, in emergency medical services, and I serve as the EMS medical director for Bannock County and Power County, Fort Hall, um, several other agencies uh, surrounding Southeast Idaho and um, the State of Idaho Bureau of Land Management program as well.
1: Uh, and he's Medical director medical for the EMT, EMT yes. Education
2: Program yes. here at ISU as well. and um, also um, serve as the chair of the Idaho EMS Physician Commission, which is the r- oversight body uh, that um, regulates scope of practice for EMS personnel as well as medical direction. Uh, requirements in the state.
1: Okay, that's great. So you are very involved in...
2: Very involved. I I like to say that I I really do more EMS work than anything else. Um, The ER pays the bills, but I I actually spend more time doing uh, EMS activities than I do actually working clinically. Okay.
1: Well, that's good to know. Perfect. Well, um, so tell us how... You've been very involved, obviously, in our emergency medicine conference both last year and this year in um, putting, planning it, putting it together, and also as a presenter, which we've appreciated. Can you kind of maybe um, tell people a little bit about the conference, and why it's important, why Portneuf maybe got involved, and why it's important for our community and surrounding areas in particular to have this conference
2: held here. Yeah, it's really important. EMS is ever-changing. We always, uh, the big mantra is, and the recognition is that EMS is the practice of medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a subspecialty of medicine, as I said, I'm board certified in that, and it's, constantly changing and constantly evolving, and so getting people together uh, within the region on an ongoing basis to provide update, to provide education, networking opportunities, opportunity for discussion and learning um, is really critical and vital for um, ensuring that we have good care provided to our citizens, but also keep the EMS clinician uh, competent and fulfilled and and uh, really up-to-date on the medical care that they provide
1: and the best practices best
2: practices and and the um, the the adage of building systems of care within medicine is so important whether it be a stroke system of care or a STEMI system of care a trauma system of care a sepsis system of care. Everything has become so modulized in the care that we provide, and it's on a continuum. It's from dispatch. It's from uh, the dispatchers able to recognize um, the severity of what's going on, getting the appropriate resources dispatched. It's the crews being able to recognize, hey, this is a, a STEMI or a stroke, And we need to go, in the case of the STEMI, directly to the cath lab. We'll bypass the ER, go directly to the cath lab. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thus saving um, time and uh, improving patient outcome, for sure.
1: And that fits right into that time sensitive emergency. For sure. um, I guess the theme of the conference, Mm -hmm. but also a strong emphasis what we do here in Idaho in our emergency medical services. Can you talk about that for just a little bit, time-sensitive emergencies and why um, it's such a big deal?
2: Yeah, it's interesting in Idaho where um, we were one of the last to come to the table Mm -hmm. with a formalized system of care, in particular for trauma. Uh, All the other states had had um, well-matured trauma systems that had been in place since the mid-70s, early 80s, during the heyday of trauma, um, uh, trauma system development. But Idaho was always pretty slow to come to the table. But the one thing that it allowed us to do was when we did develop a trauma system, we actually built a a three-pronged system. We built the trauma system. We broke. We built the STEMI system, and we built the stroke system um, all at the same time. And other states that have very mature trauma systems are trying to put these STEMI and stroke systems on top of the trauma system and build, and they're just getting um, a lot of roadblocks and barriers. You know, no offense to the surgeons. (laughs) Uh, They don't like, you know. STEMIs and strokes and, and talk about those, but the same paradigm of a, of a trauma system of care, we've been able to develop with that, uh, that STEMI and, and stroke system. So
1: That's great. So have you seen um, improved outcomes in patient care because we have initiated this I I
2: think any time you start talking about issues and items, you're going to see increased focus and you're going to see better outcomes. Mm -hmm. Have we been able to do a study and show, hey, you know, since we have these trauma centers in place, we have better outcomes? That data is really not there yet, and we can't really point back to a good epidemiologic study that says, hey. But anecdotally, we know that improving the care provided at the scene of an accident Decreasing the delay of getting that patient from the scene into the trauma center, from the trauma center into the OR or ICU, uh, we know that those anecdotally have um, better outcomes sure. for those patients.
1: Time is everything. Time is costs. everything. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. 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 Yep.
1: As far as outcomes and what you're going to end up with in the end.
2: The, I think the biggest thing with the, the time-sensitive emergency system that we have seen is the uh, activity of the smaller critical access and community hospitals. Idaho's always had four or five hospitals that have served as trauma centers. Whether it was you know Bannock and, and Portneuf, uh, Ermac, Saint Al's, Kootenay up north, um, those have always been the standard for trauma centers within the state, and they all provide very high level of, of um, surgical trauma care. With the TSE system standing up, we're now seeing level four trauma centers in ARCO, in Soda Springs, which was, in MALAD, which these hospitals have, have stood up their quality, have stood up their training and education of their providers and staff. And um, I really think that that's where you see some of the biggest increases in, um, in good care is in these rural areas.
1: That's awesome. Oh, we've got a question out here. Can you explain the different levels of, um, like, Fortinet uh, is a level two trauma medical center. What is yep. the difference in the different levels? Of- That's a good
2: question. Yeah. So, so within each level, even within STEMI and stroke, there are various levels. But in in trauma, a level one center, they do everything. They're typically attached to a uh, academic center, a university. They do a lot of research and they have a lot of redundancy in services provided. Uh, A level two center does pretty much the same thing as a level one. They just don't have the university attachment and don't have the level of research and academic quote-unquote involvement. But uh, level two centers, you have trauma surgeons, you have backup trauma surgeons, you have neurosurgery, you have ortho, you have the full spectrum of subspecialty, whether it be plastics, oral maxillofacial, uh, ENT, um, and, um, and then you move down a level three center. Typically, you have a surgeon, and that's, that's basically the, the general requirement. You, you have an emergency department. Uh, that provides trauma stabilization, but you have a surgeon who is able to respond and participate in care as needed. They typically don't have neurosurgeons. They may or may not have uh, consistent orthopedic coverage. Mm -hmm. Um, And then a level four center really is the um, you have an emergency department and you don't have consistent surgical coverage. And those areas, as a level four center, you're really meant to stabilize patients. You assess, you stabilize. If they have critical injury or serious injuries, you transfer them on up into the level twos and, or level one centers. In Idaho, we even have a level five center, and that's really meant for the clinics. Um, you have the Chalice Clinic, uh, for example, That is a federally um, funded clinic. They don't have, quote unquote, an emergency department, but they're so rural that um, they could participate in the trauma program because they would be a receiving center when they do see the patients. And then we see that on the STEMI side as well. STEMI, there's various levels, whether you can do, whether you have a cath lab and you can do. Uh, what's called a percutaneous intervention or a, a cardiac cath to open the blockage, um, or whether you simply stabilize that patient, you may give uh, a TPA clockbuster drug and then ship them to the PCI center. And then stroke is the same way. Stroke, it's an emergency department. You can identify a stroke with your CT scanner, you can give the clockbusting drug. And then you ship them into a center that will do what's called thrombectomy, where they actually go up into the artery and go into the brain with a wire and remove the clot uh, mechanically. And Amazing, um, actually, mechanically. yeah, some of those advancements are uh, are kind of crazy yeah. when, when you think about what they're doing. Yeah, so, for sure.
1: and the yeah. outcomes, the improved outcomes, everything is about. Improving that outcome for that patient. Yes. Having the, yes. yep. the best recovery possible. Yep. Yep. Right.
2: And what we see, and trauma, you know, trauma is the leading cause of death in the younger populations. Uh, and we're finding that trauma is becoming a very common cause of death in the geriatric population mm. as well, just from ground level falls. They fall. You break four or five ribs. You then go into respiratory. You get respiratory issues. You fall. You get uh, a bleed in your head. Um, so trauma has always been that focus because trauma occurs. You know, it's the it's it's really from age two to age forty five is the it's still the leading cause of death. Well, that age group. That's when everyone is supposed to be working and being part of society and contributing to society. And if you have bad outcomes there, then you miss out on all the implications in society. Um, As you get into strokes, strokes are more devastating and probably cost more money directly. Um, But it's important that um, you do the best that you can because it could be the difference between an individual having a stroke and ending up in a uh, mm-hmm. nursing facility for the rest of their life with sure. full care versus yeah. actually being able to be home. And there's that cost associated with that, as sure. well as the societal stressors of family and health and just everything in general. Mm-hmm. And then same thing with the STEMI, the the heart attack, um, those critical 35 to 55, 60 years of age range when we really see a lot of these heart attacks has a great economic impact. Sure. So. Sure.
1: That's important to think about. You think about the health, but the economic is a whole another issue, isn't it? Yeah. So tell me, um, what um, emergency medicine trends are, do you kind of see coming in the next five years?
2: Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. <laughs> We're really – I don't say we're at, the, at a crossroads. We were at a crossroads in 20 years ago when it came to EMS. In fact, the, the um, Institute of Medicine had a report, uh, you know, the crossroads of EMS in rural America in particular, and that report was 20 years ago. But I think some of the things we're seeing right now is – there's gonna be a huge distinction between EMS as a public safety discipline and a healthcare discipline. Okay. Okay. And why I say that is because of the advancement of mobile integrative healthcare or in Idaho what we call community health EMS. EMS across the country is starting to do more and more primary care. Mm -hmm. They're starting to do more injury prevention, health maintenance. They are, um, uh, the the federal government, CMS, just released grant money, announced it last week, for a a huge number of agencies across the nation to uh, do innovative uh, programs, in particular, with Medicare patients, but in that include transport to non-emergency departments. Mm, okay, so you go, you get a phone, you get call nine one one. You go to the house, you determine, yeah, they really don't need to go to the ER. Mm. So we're going to take you down to this urgent care, I? and you're yes. going to be seen at this urgent care, or we're just going to call your doctor, and your doctor will be aware of what's going on, and they will send out either a case management nurse or a clinical nurse um, to come out and do a home visit and and address that. The whole approach is to shift really the healthcare dollars and keep patients out of the hospitals, treat them in their homes as much as you can, and uh, and then get them to the level of care that they need. That's the most appropriate. That's the most appropriate. You fall down, you get a lack on your arm or leg, you don't need the emergency department, unfortunately, right? right? (laughs) You can go to a family physician, you can go to uh, urgent care to have that taken care of, but for a lot of people, it's the um, transportation and such becomes an issue, so the ambulance is is that is mode of transportation. transportation.
1: Yeah, yeah, very cool. So. Well, good. So um, talking about our emergency medicine conference, um, of course we know that it's important, and there was definitely a huge purpose and drive to be able to bring this emergency medicine conference. How do you see that as far as why we're doing this and how it can benefit people? Yeah. And um, maybe a little bit about the training.
2: and what. Yeah, I, I think the the drive was that there was always a gap here um, within Southeast Idaho for a emergency medicine or, or even just a straight EMS conference. And everyone here, they were going to Sun Valley, they were going to Twin, they were going to Idaho Falls to conferences and such. And, and I think really as ISU is the healthcare university of the state, it, it made sense that, that ISU stands up a, a, a medical help. conference yeah. yeah, specific for uh, this population uh, or with this focus of, of provider. And so um, I know Portnof and Portniff Air Rescue have been very excited to help be a part of that and uh, sponsor that and participate uh, in the conference as well. And I think bringing in, as we see, bringing Eric Bauer in this next year, as you start bringing more national names mm-hmm. in, um, the not that the conference is going to get better, but you're bringing guys in who you know, Eric. That's what he does. He right. teaches. He's an educator. He's sure. an educator. He, he teaches across the country, and so you bring these well-known educators in, and it just raises the level of your conference. Mm-hmm. And uh, the attractiveness of the conference so,
1: so somebody attending our conference, what do you what can they bring home with them? What are they going to learn yeah
2: well hopefully there's <laughs> hopefully there's anything and everything for everybody and anybody
1: mm-hmm.
2: right between the cadaver lab, mm-hmm. I mean, you could come to the conference just for the cadaver lab sure. and you would go home just hopefully very much excited and and with an abundance of of increased knowledge just from being able to see a cadaver, review anatomy on the cadaver, go through uh, organ systems and such, Um, whether it's the simulation as well, being able to use uh, the simulation trailer and go through scenarios that um, uh, otherwise you're just... Doing. Um,
1: there we go. There's our timer. There you go. <laughs> we'll let you kind of finish up with that. Yeah.
2: thought Yeah, but we, you know, simulation adds a whole new game to uh, to practicing or or um, preparing for calls.
1: I know um, sometimes people get kind of scared by simulation, and they think, oh, somebody's going to be judging me. You know, I'm going to be tested on what I know and maybe feel uncomfortable. But I know that our um, guys running the sim experience have said, no, this is a time just to come in. It's hands-on. It's learning. No judgment. There's a lot of things that you can...
2: And the best thing, the sim mannequin doesn't care.
1: This is true. (laughs) (laughs) It's, true. it's a good place to practice, It's, it's right? a good place
2: to practice. It's the only time your patient really isn't going to care. <laughs> I so,
1: hadn't thought about it that way, yeah. but that's a great way to look yeah. at it. Yeah.
2: yeah. Very
1: cool. Well, good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. I do appreciate that. Um, remember, our emergency medicine conference is May 1st and 2nd here at Idaho State University, and we are excited to host it and to. we hope that everybody comes. It will be a great experience.
2: Yes. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> <clears throat> Continuing education, workforce training, sweet is comprised of professionals dedicated to serving your educational needs. We understand that when it comes to your future, it's all about you. Because our staff and faculty have real-world experience actually doing what they teach, our students obtain the skills and knowledge they are looking for to be competitive in today's marketplace. For more information, please visit our website ctrain.isu.edu, that is C-E-train.isu.edu. EDU or call us at 208-282-3372.